0: Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We got a really great new sponsor. It's Homes.com. Let me tell you about Homes.com. First of all, I love real estate. I love looking at real estate. If you are looking to move, you need to go to Homes.com. Why? Because it's more than just browsing and shopping for new homes. Homes has everything that you need in order to buy a home, move to a new home, all there on one site. You want to know a neighborhood without ever stepping foot in it? Well, Homes.com has comprehensive neighborhood details. Whenever you find a home you love, share it. Homes.com's unique collaboration tools let you exchange notes on listings and even create photo inspo boards with your family or your friends. And for all of you that are moving with kids and you want to know more about the local school system, Homes.com's detailed school information covers everything you need to know to find the right schools for your kids. And you can also get the perfect agent because homes.com has agent directory and profiles. And the best part, homes.com features the listing agent on every listing, so you can easily connect with them after stalking the home and figuring out which ones you like without having to scramble to find contact info. Go to homes.com to learn more. We've done your homework. Hey, it's your friend Mel, and welcome to the Mel Robbins Podcast. So I was in a yoga class the other day, and as I was heading out of the class looking like a hot and sweaty roasted tomato, these two amazing women come up to me, Kathy and Teal. Huge shout out to Kathy and Teal. You know who you are. And whenever anybody approaches me who is a fan of the podcast, I am so thrilled to know that these episodes that we are taping above my garage in Vermont and in our studio in Boston are going around the world and reaching you and helping you create a better life. Like there is nothing that is more satisfying than knowing that all of this hard work is making a difference. And so Kathy and Teal come up to me and one of the things that I like to do, and you better be prepared for this if you see me out in the real world and you approach me, I'm going to pull out my phone and I'm going to videotape when you come up because I have a question for you what topic do you want me to cover? What experts do you want me to have on the show? And so I was talking to Kathy and Teal and I asked them what topics and experts they wanted to have on the show. And they told me, and then they asked me a question. And the question that they asked me was something I wasn't prepared for. And it's the first time since launching the show that anybody has asked me this question. Kathy said, Mel, Mel, Of all of the amazing experts that you have had on the Mel Robbins podcast, who has made the biggest difference in your life? And have you ever had one of those moments where somebody asks you a question and you know you should have the answer to it and you start to think and your mind is like, Eh, there is nothing there. I mean, the only thing that was in my brain in that moment was the steam from the hot yoga room. I could not even remember any expert that was on the Mel Robbins pod. I just went blank, 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 blank. And I could have used Jim Quick there, you know, our memory expert who we released an episode with a couple days ago at the moment, but holy smokes. I had nothing to say and I was super embarrassed. I couldn't think of an expert and I kept trying to go back into my mind and everybody was flooding my mind from, you know, our confidence expert to anxiety, to narcissism, to all of the health experts that we've had on. And I couldn't summon up a name. I just couldn't do it. And the first thing that then all of a sudden popped in my mind as I looked at Kathy and Teal, and I said, there were so many amazing experts On the Mel Robbins podcast this year, that coming up with just one is really hard to do. But I will tell you that there is one person who had a huge impact on my life. And this is going to sound selfish because it's our 18 year old son, Oakley. Oakley came on the podcast a lot this year and shared all kinds of deeply personal stuff, things that I never knew. And it really changed my relationship with him. I just, absolutely loved having him on the podcast. I loved all the feedback we got about how what he shared really made a difference for your family. And so that was what I said. And, you know, if I'm being honest with you, I think the answer is kind of lame. So I get in the car after hugging them goodbye and I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, who was the expert? What, what what were the experts? And so I went back, I cracked open my laptop, I went to the Mel Robbins podcast page and I started scanning through all of the episodes. And here's what I discovered. First of all, there were 39 experts that we had on the Mel Robbins podcast this year, many who made multiple appearances because you love them so much. I poured through all of the episodes and I looked back through all of the most popular moments on YouTube and I thought long and hard about what were the most impactful and transformative pieces of advice that really changed my life. And I have curated a list of eight, eight pieces of advice. And the reason why I'm going to share these with you is not only because Teal and Kathy asked, but more importantly, because when I really took the time to look back and reflect on what I learned this year from so many amazing people, I know that when I share these with you, it's going to change your life too. And as you know, I am on a mission to simplify all this complicated stuff and information that's out in the world and tee it up to you in a way that makes it super entertaining and empowering and easy to apply to your life. And so that's what we're going to do today. The eight pieces of expert and science-supported research-back advice that changed my life this year. And if you try them out, I guarantee you, they're going to change your life too. And so first up, Let's talk about Dr. Amy Shaw. She is the medical doctor that trained at Harvard, Cornell, and Columbia University. That is a triple Ivy League certification right there. She is also double board certified immunologist and a leading expert in women's hormonal health and nutrition. And I love her because every time she breaks down information, it is so clear, it is so entertaining, it is so applicable to my life. She appeared on the Mel Robbins podcast podcast Four different times. That's how popular and smart and amazing she is. And one of the biggest differences that she made in my life is that because of what I learned from Dr. Amy Shaw, I have gone from waking up in the morning and army crawling my way to the coffee maker and basically lip-locking that sucker and hydrating with a cup of coffee first thing in the morning to waiting an hour before I have caffeine, I've gone from being a person that has four cups of coffee a day to just one cup of coffee a day. I do not crave it anymore. And it's all because of what she taught you and me about morning sunlight and the importance of getting morning sunlight and a little something called adenosine. So
1: routines are excessively important okay, in terms of our mood and our body, our nutrition. So when you wake up in the morning, you want to get sunlight. I have a rule. When you wake up, go get sunlight first. Sky before screens. Oh, I love that. So, sky before screens is how you should start your day. Your body is wired to see sunlight in the morning. Even if it's a cloudy day, it just has to be bright light. Okay. You can just walk out outside. For me, it's my back door. Just walk out for a few minutes. It could be two to 10 minutes. You could do, um, for me, I'm usually just in my pajamas. So, I'm coming back in and getting ready for the day. Okay. So you don't want to have food or caffeine in the first 45 minutes of your day. Why? I'll tell you why. When you wake up, you feel groggy, right? Yep. That grogginess is partially, mostly from adenosine in your brain. Adenosine. Adenosine. Okay. And it clears out within 30, 40 minutes. Mm. It clears out. Then you have your coffee, Then you eat your food. And the reason why is coffee blocks our adenosine receptor. It just blocks it from actually binding. Okay. So if you don't let that adenosine clear out and you just drink your coffee, when the coffee wears off in a couple of hours, that adenosine's still there and it just binds those receptors and you feel excessively tired. And that's why you
0: think you need another cup of coffee.
1: And then you're fully dependent, like the people that wake up and they need the coffee right then, and then they need it again at like 10 o'clock, and then they need it again
0: at one o'clock.
1: It's because you're not letting that adenosine go.
0: Okay. You need to let that clear out. I'm guilty of this. So I'm going to try this tomorrow. I'm going to (laughs) wake up. I'm going to wait 45 minutes. Then I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to see if I have a craving for a second cup. Yes. Yes. That is fascinating. Okay. So you want to let it clear out
1: naturally because it's not going to clear out naturally if you start the caffeine cycle right away.
0: This changed my life and I am not exaggerating. I literally was addicted to having that first cup of coffee. I have this whole story in my mind. I bet you may relate to this that, you
2: know, I I can't even wake up to have a cup of coffee. If I don't have my coffee, I'm going to be groggy. Well,
0: I took her advice to heart and I was bracing because I thought that first morning that I woke up. And I rolled out of bed and I was not going to immediately have a mug in my hand and caffeine on my lips that I was going to be a freaking train wreck. That's not what happened at all. It was a game changer. So the first morning I get out of bed, I have a cup of water instead of having a cup of coffee. I set my timer and by the time my timer went off, I walked over to the coffee maker, honestly, I felt pretty alert. I was not that groggy. I had a cup of coffee. It tasted freaking delicious because I had delayed it. Now, here's what I noticed. The coffee tasted great. But what was transformative is an hour later, I didn't feel like I needed another one. And at two o'clock in the afternoon, I didn't feel like I needed yet another one my focus, my energy, it was way more consistent throughout the day. And here's the thing, I'm going to challenge you to do this. I've told so many people about this little adenosine thing and morning sunlight. And so many of my friends are now not drinking coffee first thing in the morning. I love this practical tip because you can get it immediately. You can start it tomorrow morning and you will see an immediate result. I promise you. And I cannot wait to hear what happens when you do it. And by the way, I'm going to link to all the episodes in the resources. We always have a huge, robust list of resources for every single episode. And the episodes that I'm talking about, they are linked below. All right. So that was number one, advice that changed my life. Make sure you get Exposure to natural light first thing in the morning, right in the eyes, and delay a cup of coffee for 90 minutes. The second expert on the Mel Robbins podcast that changed my life was another health expert. I guess this is the year that Mel Robbins takes her health seriously, right? And so Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, if you... Listen to that episode. You'll remember we call her Dr. G. Dr. G was fascinating because she is a medical doctor who is fellowship trained in nutritional sciences and geriatrics, which is the science of aging. She's a renowned researcher and founder of the Institute for Muscle Centric Medicine. How did she change my life? Well, she completely changed the way that I see protein and the importance of getting more protein in my diet. I learned so much talking to Dr. G. And, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit to you that I didn't remember learning when I was little that the muscle is the organ of longevity that your muscles are the largest organ in your body. It determines everything about how you age for your overall quality of life. And the way that she explained the importance of strength training and the importance of a protein forward diet, especially if you want to live a really long and vibrant life, which I do. I am very interested not in putting a bikini on. I just want to age gracefully. I want to be able to take my suitcase and pick it up and put it in the overhead compartment. I want to be able to dance until I die. All things... That are going to require me to make sure that I take care of the skeletal architecture in my body, which is your muscles. And so she gave us a very specific plan of exactly what to do to build muscle without becoming a bodybuilder. And she was particularly focused on how this relates to us women. Why is this so important for women specifically?
3: I think women have really gotten a constant narrative about, oh, you've hit menopause. Now you're going to have a menopausal belly and you're going to gain about 30 pounds and it's going to be, this is how it's going to be. That does not have to happen. There are ways in which you can manage your body composition through diet and training. Again, we are leveraging protein and food as medicine and movement as medicine rather than taking something external. Mm. Here's what I would tell and why it's so important for a menopausal, postmenopausal woman. There is a natural decline in these hormones, estrogen, progesterone, there's an imbalance of testosterone which can affect body composition. But one of the ways it affects body composition is we move less, we are less active. The way to combat that is through very simply doing some kind of resistance training which simply means, again, against an external load. It doesn't have to be complicated. And it's not necessarily as difficult as people think. I've been seeing patients since 2006. I have seen a
0: lot of midlife women, and I've seen a lot of success. Okay, what do we do? I just heard, did you hear that? That was women in 194 countries around the world turning up the dial. What do we do?
3: all these women in a million different countries, you've got your dial turned up. You're going to make it so simple. This is legitimately fail-proof. You are going to have between 30 and 50 grams of protein at that first meal. You're not going to have over 30 grams or so of carbohydrates for that first meal because we don't want to kind of skew this insulin and and give you this robust response. Again, I'm giving broad generalizations. Got it. Okay. Um, But, you know, we're just going to define it and design it so that people can execute right away great you can have a little bit of berries you can mix it in water you can mix it in almond juice or whatever it is that you want something not major that is calorically dense okay you've done that you're doing great i don't care if it's a whey protein shake i don't care if it's Mel's pea protein shake i don't necessarily want it to be collagen because while great for other things is not great for muscle health OK, so Got collagen is a different separate kind of protein. It has a protein score of what is considered zero. It's still great, but we're not going to we're not going to put it in the category of muscle health.
0: Thank you for saying that. <laughs> because I, here I am making my smoothie and I put in the collagen. I'm thinking that's another 10 to 20 grams of protein. So I can put that in the 50 protein column. What you're saying is, Mel, that is good for your hair and nails, but when it comes to complex amino acids, that protein scores a big fat. Eh. So Correct. now I'm learning something. This is really oh, good. like a pro, homie. You are
3: a pro. Thank you. Maybe you want some kind of smaller meal in the day. Maybe it has 20 grams of protein and 20 grams of carbohydrates. What does that look like? That could be uh, three eggs. It could be your chicken salad. It could be whatever it is you want. I, I'm not so crazy about that. I love you you're, for that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. The last meal, if you're having two larger meals and a smaller meal in the middle, your last meal is also important because you're getting ready to go into an overnight fast.
0: Okay, got it. So now I'm doing my 30 to 50. I'm having my protein shake or my hamburger with my salad or whatever else. The last meal of the day is between 30 and 50 grams of protein. You want your burger, you want
3: your chicken, you want your salmon. Great. You have now nailed it. Okay. You will lose body fat by just addressing the dietary component of protein, which is mind-blowing. You will improve your body composition by changing your dietary protein for breakfast. By simply doing that, we have seen huge changes in body composition simply by doing that. And also, by the way, some of this data was isocaloric, meaning people both had the same amount of calories and the postmenopausal women, what one group did was change the first meal of the day to have an optimal protein. It was around 40 grams of protein. And then the second group had around... I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was probably closer to 50 grams of carbohydrates and 13 grams of protein, which is what most women are doing now. And the body composition effects were negative for the carbohydrate group versus the protein group. They lost weight. And again, calories were the same. So it was simply changing around the macronutrients.
0: I don't know about you, but I not only listened to that episode twice, and I'm the one that had the conversation with her, but I have watched the YouTube version of that conversation several times as well. And here's a really cool data point. So YouTube can tell you some of the most watched parts of any video that you upload on YouTube. And our YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash Mel Robbins. And all the podcast episodes are out there and they're searchable and they're amazing. But when Dr. G was talking about the specifics related to protein and the fact that if you just were to change your diet. We're not talking restrict yourself of calories, don't wanna be doing that, just change the composition of the food that you're eating and your entire body composition changes. That was one of the most watched moments and replayed moments on our YouTube channel because you were fascinated with it too. And so here's how I have felt empowered by this because I've shared a lot about the fact that being 55 and going through menopause My body is changing. My hormones are changing. There have been times that I've been extremely frustrated about what to do because everything that I've done my entire life, eat clean, exercise, cardio, all that stuff, be a positive person, it was not helping with my body composition if you're picking up what I'm putting down. And so I have taken Dr. G's advice and I'm seeing a huge difference. All righty, that's Dr. G, the science of strength training. And again, that entire episode is both on our YouTube channel. Just Google Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and Mel Robbins and you'll find it or you'll find it in the resources below if you want to listen to it. Okay, next up, expert number three, K. C. Davis. Before we get to KC Davis, you know what we have to get to? We have to get to a word from our sponsors. Our sponsors are amazing. I love them, and they allow us to bring you all these incredible experts at zero cost. So tell you what, how about you take a listen to our amazing sponsors, and then when we return, I'm going to tell you how a woman named KC Davis changed my life when it comes to laundry. And a little later you're going to learn the pieces of advice about anxiety and dealing with narcissistic personalities that also were life-changing. So don't you dare go anywhere. The Mel Robbins podcast is proudly sponsored by Amica insurance, our exclusive insurance partner. Amica insurance is all about empathy. They know that your auto home and life insurance are more than just policies. Home insurance is about protecting the life you've built. Auto insurance is there to protect you on the road ahead. That's why Amica takes a consultative approach to help protect what matters most to you. They're a customer-owned insurance company that puts your needs first, and their representatives are available 24-7 for claim-related matters. As Amica says, empathy is our best policy. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and you can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Have you ever heard about the Your Garage feature on cars.com? Here's how it works. You add your car to your garage to track its market value and cash in when the time is right to sell. Track both your car's historical, real-time, and projected value. And then when it's time to sell, easily secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back. It's your friend Mel. And I'm so glad you're here because I'm going through the eight different pieces of expert advice, all supported by research and science that truly changed my life this year. And I'm sharing them with you in case you missed one of them, because I know they're going to improve your life too. So next up, the third expert that changed my life is Casey Davis. Casey Davis is a bestselling author and therapist, and she's just one of those people that has a way of explaining something that instantly makes you feel better. She came on the show and had so much wisdom to share about how to deal with life when things feel overwhelming. And you know, sometimes that's all it takes, right? It just takes somebody to teach you how to look at something differently and all of a sudden, your entire world changes. Holy smokes, Casey Davis. She stepped in with relatable, hilarious, and most of all, life-changing advice. This was one of your favorites as well. This blew up all over YouTube. What is the concept I'm talking about? I'm talking about the fact that laundry exists in a cycle. Check this out.
4: It's important to remember that care tasks are not binary states of done or not done. They are cycles. What does that mean? So what that means is that we're used to going, are the dishes done or are they not done? Is the oh. laundry done or is it not done? That's true. And the truth is your laundry exists in a cycle. It does. You have clothes that are clean in the closet. You have clothes that are on your body. You have clothes that are dirty on the floor. You have clothes that are dirty in the hamper. You have clothes that are dirty waiting to go in the wash. You have some in the wash. You have some there. Like that's a cycle. And every state of that cycle, Mel, is morally neutral. You're not a good person when they're all parked in the, you know, closet and a bad person when they're in the hamper. It's okay for any of it to be in that cycle. And you are not morally obligated to line up every care cycle in your home at the done state at the same time.
0: If you could see me right now, as you're listening to this podcast, you on YouTube, come on, my mouth is on the floor. Let me just give it back to you because I want you listening to really grab a hold of this. First of all, if you think about laundry, the machine has cycles that you can pick from. And laundry, if you think about it like a never-ending cycle, just a never-ending cycle of things that go in the washer, things that go in the dryer, things that go back to the spots where they're going to go, then they go back in the washer, then they go back in the dryer. It's never a thing that gets done. It's always a cycle. The same thing is true with grocery shopping. You don't Mm -hmm. get grocery shopping done. You do it in a cycle. The same thing is true as tidying.
4: I mean, my playroom, my living room, it's not clean or dirty. It's clean, perfect, just cleaned it. It's a few toys on the floor. It's a few toys and a few more on the floor. It's And and here's the key. In that cycle, there's a place where it reaches where it's not functional anymore. And that's mm. where I want to reset the cycle. Okay. But the key isn't how do I get everything done and keep it done and keep on top of it. The key is how do I learn to turn all of these cycles at a pace where it's functional, where I have clean clothes when I need them, clean dishes when I need them. I always say like when I decided to take on the laundry of my home, I signed up to Make sure that my family always has clean clothes. I did not sign up to make sure they never have dirty ones.
0: Oh, say that again. Same with the dishes. Louder for the people in the back, Casey. Say that again.
4: I signed up to make sure that my family always has clean dishes to eat off of. I did not sign up to make sure they never have dirty ones.
0: Oh, And you get to
4: customize that cycle because if you're moving that cycle too fast, Mel, you're exhausted, you're perfectionistic, you're anxious, you can't sit down, you can't rest. Or if you're struggling in such a way where you're not moving those cycles fast enough, you don't have clean clothes, you you can't function in your space. So you just want to get a pace that works for you and you can customize those cycles. I don't fold my clothes because that was the part that was sticking the cycle.
0: How so? What did you figure out about yourself? Because it's interesting that you say that, Casey, because I could load a dishwasher full of dirty dishes all day long. I could load a washing machine and I love stain sticking that stuff and shoving it in there and like all the things. I and and I can even move it to the dryer. When the dryer beeps or the dishwasher is done, I have some kind of a trauma response to that because I hate putting things away hate it yeah it sucks
4: yes can I make a guess on why bring it on okay well I'll tell you what it is for me and we'll see what it is for you the act of loading things, my brain naturally will do it in a pattern, yes. right? Like if I'm loading up the dishwasher, it's like cups, 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 <laughs> cups, plates, <laughs> plates, 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 plates. And I'm putting it all in in this beautiful Tetris whatever, right? Same with laundry. It's going in. It's going in. It's going in. It's going in. And I'm dump, 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 dump shut. It's this pattern. But when you have to put dishes away, it's pick up. Look at it. Cup. And cup goes over here. This is a, okay. This is a, like, there's the bending. Nobody likes to bend over and over. And there's no pattern. Like your brain likes patterns. It gets a little <gasps> dopamine juice. From oh it.
0: my God. I even, when I, when I have to unload it, I avoid it like the plague. But on the occasions that I unload the dishwasher, I always organize them into groups on the counter because mm-hmm. I, you're right. It's the patterning of it. That's one of the hacks is turning
4: things into patterns, turning things into rituals. Mm. All of a sudden, that was it. That was the hitch and the cycle that was like grinding the gear every time it got to that place. And now the laundry's done every week.
0: Wow. I still stop and just pick up my jaw off the floor when I think about how obvious it is. Right. I mean, why have we all been talking about getting laundry done when Casey's so right? It just exists in a cycle. In fact, when we sat down to record this conversation for you and to roll out all this expert advice for you, Jesse, you know, one of the producers on the show was like, oh, I'm so glad this made this. This changed my life. It changed my life, too. And I know it changed so many of your lives. You don't want to know why? Because it was truly one of the favorite episodes of the year. And there were so many moments on the YouTube video of this that you guys rewatched and re-watched and re-watched. And so you can find a link to her incredible episodes, 11 Crazy Facts About Laundry, Showering, Getting the Little Stuff Done, because it turns out, and this is what we learned from Casey Davis, the little stuff ain't so little. But when you flip how you look at it, it can change your life completely. And it certainly changed mine. All right, let's move from laundry to something that's kind of related, and that is anxiety. Because before I met Casey Davis, the amount of laundry that was constantly piled up constantly gave me anxiety. That brings me to one of the most popular experts of all time on the Mel Robbins podcast, and that is Dr. Russell Kennedy. So Dr. Russell Kennedy is a medical doctor and a neuroscientist who truly changed my life with his tools on healing from anxiety, not just coping with it, Not just learning how to make yourself calm, but truly healing from anxiety. Now, he appeared on the Mel Robbins podcast three times since we have launched. His episodes are some of our most loved, most popular, both on podcast networks and on the YouTube channel. So what is the concept that he shared that was so much of a game changer for me because, you know, you've listened to the Mel Robbins podcast for a while. So you know that I have struggled with anxiety for a very long time. So I thought I kind of knew everything about this topic. The concept is calling anxiety an alarm in your body. Now that's the first beat. And I always knew that anxiety was like part of your fight or flight, right? You know, that's kind of basic information when you start studying anxiety. Here's where it became a game changer. Anxiety is an alarm in your body, but it is an alarm that's signaling what? It's signaling that the little you feels separate. And I got to tell you something, that insight that it's an alarm for moments when you feel separate, that has been huge for me. And it has changed how I deal with moments where I feel anxious. Let's listen to Dr. Russell Kennedy talk about it. So Dr. Kennedy, first question, how do you define anxiety?
5: Anxiety for me is anxious thoughts, anxious thoughts of the mind. Anxiety is not painful itself. What's painful is the sense of alarm that's in our body, that's in our system. And it's the alarm that drives the thoughts. There's a very atypical way, especially as a doctor and a neuroscientist to look at anxiety as more as a body issue, Mm. like old unresolved wounding that just making sense to the mind because the mind is this compulsive, meaning-making, make-sense machine. So when it feels the alarm in your body from the old wounds that haven't been resolved, it makes sense of it by worrying, warnings, what-ifs, worst-case scenarios. And that's what happens.
0: Where does anxiety come from?
5: It comes from that alarm in your body. Anxiety is normal. You know, anxiety over taxes, anxiety over your kids, that's normal. But if it's every day, if it's relentless, like that kind of anxiety is abnormal. That typically comes from sort of unresolved stuff from your from your childhood. And it's stuck in your body and in your mind to some extent. It's It's a bit of a... It's a tough call because when you say anxiety is in your body, of course, it's in your nervous system, which is your body and your mind. So it's really finding that place of unresolved wounding, that, that trauma that still sits in you, because that's the engine of what's driving your thoughts. So rather than thinking of anxiety as a thought-based process, it's actually a feeling-based process that's only kind of reflected by the mind. But we, we assume that it's the mind because we're so fixated on the mind in our society. So it's really a body-based issue, but we focus on the mind and we try and fix it through the mind. And that's why people are in therapy for 30 years. They're not getting (laughs) a lot better. You
0: know, I've spent the better part of my lifetime living with all of this unrest and unease and on-edgeness in my body. And I have tried for decades to make sense of it, to calm it, to soothe it, to heal it through my mind. And it is a revelation to realize, whoa, it really starts with thinking about the body. How do you know if what you're experiencing in your life right now is anxiety versus just day-to-day stress versus overwhelm?
5: I think if it's chronic, like if you're looking at your life, if you wake up in the morning and you're going, oh my God, I've got this, 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 and this, which you've talked about, before on the podcast, like waking up with this sense of dread, that's a sign that things aren't quite right. I think that we just, we live in our minds, we live in our bodies. Mm -hmm. This just becomes normal. And unless it rises above this kind of critical mass where we're like uncomfortable almost all the time, then we think, well, there's something going on. And now with Instagram, with all this stuff, like everything's trauma, now. everything's trauma. And I, I I watched your episode about healing childhood trauma. and I really want to dive into that as well because it's so important. Because the quick, the quick version is, you probably had trauma as a child that was unresolvable for you as a child. Now, what happens is when we get trauma as children, we blame ourselves. There's a great saying that says, if you abuse, neglect, or abandon a child, the child doesn't stop loving the parent, they stop loving themselves. And Mm. then that starts the split. And then we start judging, abandoning, blaming and shaming ourselves from that point forward. And that split causes this sense of alarm that gets lodged in our body. And then because we don't want to feel that alarm in our body, we go up into our heads, which is the only place that a child can go because they're pretty powerless in their environment. Mm. And they overthink. And that's a temporary escape. And then we train ourselves as children to overthink because that's the only safe places in our minds. And then when we get older, go through a couple divorces, you know, you get in a car accident, whatever, that stuff tends to come right back up again. That's really the basis of, of where this global anxiety kind of comes from in people is it's this unresolved trauma. So if your parents love you and you've got, you know, a supportive family and you're attuned and connected and quote unquote, securely attached, you can go through traumas like we all do in childhood and they won't impact your nervous system to create this permanent change. Or I I don't like using the word permanent because it makes it feel like it's hopeless, but it creates a permanent change in your nervous system. And trauma is anything that changes your nervous system, that stucks your nervous system in a pattern that doesn't allow you to get out of that trauma. And then we just get into this loop where there's alarm in our body. We make sense of it by making horrible thoughts in our mind, warnings, what ifs, worst case scenarios, which of course makes the alarm of the body worse, which of course makes the, the thoughts worse. And we get caught in this alarm anxiety cycle. And we, unless we see it, we can't get out of it.
0: He's so right. And learning this has changed the entire way I approach my lifelong relationship with anxiety. And calling an alarm... This is a big change. It doesn't sound so scary when you say it's an alarm, when you say it's anxiety, it like makes it feel really big, right? When you say, oh, this is an alarm, I feel separate from myself. I feel separate from other people. I feel separate from my power. Now you know what to do. But let me tell you something. That was just part one of why this was such a game changer. What really drove the transformation in my own life home is realizing that this alarm is also present in moments where you're blocking love. That's why you feel separate from yourself. You're actually blocking other people from loving you. You are blocking letting love in from yourself. And this was so something that you loved hearing from him too. Check this out.
5: The reason why you're anxious in the first place is because you block love. So when you say, I love you. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. The reason why you're anxious is because you block love. For yourself. Yes. What?
5: You're separated from yourself. That's exactly what it comes down to. That's what anxiety our alarm really is. It's a separation. And this is what I do. This is my little, we didn't get into my little intuitive thing here. We're going but- to in a
0: minute. Hold on. I think I got it. That literally your alarm is asking for love and reinsurance. Absolutely. And when you go into your head, you block yourself from receiving it. Yes. When you go and into you your body and you breathe into the alarm, and soothe yourself, you are actually giving yourself love. Yes. Holy shit.
5: And a lot of people with anxiety... Just, they're, they're uncomfortable with love in the first place. I'll give you a very quick example from my own life. So my dad, before I was 10 years old, was this wonderful guy. Like he was so, uh, you know, connected to me and nurturing, taught me how to hit a ball, play chess, all this kind of stuff. Very, very connected to him. And I loved him greatly. And then as I got to be a young teen and his schizophrenia got worse and worse and worse and it became suicidal and a bunch of other things, I withdrew from him because to see him in, in, in horrible depression, was just too painful for me. So I blocked my love for him because it was just too painful to feel it. And that you can't block love from a parent without blocking love on some level to everyone. So, so this is one of the things. So when you find the blocks that you have to loving yourself, this is how you heal. And this is basically my little intuitive gift is I can tell people where their blocks are to loving themselves. And then when you remove those blocks, the anxiety, the alarm just kind of fades away. So this is this is really going at the root cause protocol as opposed to just trying to make you think better.
0: It makes so much sense. And I don't know if it's his voice or his wisdom or just how clear the takeaway is, but I feel so empowered listening to him. And I love sharing this with you. And again, you can find these YouTube episodes, uh, just Google Dr. Kennedy and Mel Robbins. You'll find them on our YouTube channel. We've linked to all three episodes that he has appeared in in the resources below. Coming up, we have a whole casserole of big topics. And let's talk about diversity of things that we talked about this year together. We're gonna go to narcissism and then we're gonna talk about clutter. And then we're gonna talk about dreams. Stay with us. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy, right? But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes for a quick getaway. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Mother's Day is right around the corner and don't you dare do what the old Mel Robbins used to do, which is put off getting your mother a gift until the very last minute and then you're scrambling and you're calling the flower shop the day of. You know, you've done it, so have I. We're not doing that this year. You want to know why? Your mom deserves better. In fact, she deserves the best. That's why I want you to check out Cozy Earth. They're one of my favorite sponsors of the Mel Robbins podcast because they make the single best sheets on the freaking planet. I am talking soft, moisture wicking. If your mom's going through hot flashes like I am, Cozy Earth. If your mom loves snuggly soft sheets, Cozy Earth. This Mother's Day, treat your mother to the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize her self-care and sleep health. She deserves it. Don't forget to use promo code Mel Robbins at checkout for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. And after placing your order, select podcast in the survey and select the Mel Robbins podcast in the drop down menu that follows. Let's freaking go, because your mom rocks. Welcome back. It's your friend Mel. I am so thrilled that you are here with me because I'm walking through the expert advice. In fact, eight pieces of expert advice from some of the most amazing people that appeared on the Mel Robbins podcast this year. And I'm sharing them with you because these are not only the things that I put to use in my own life, and I see a huge difference, but I know based on your comments and based on the popularity of these episodes that these are the pieces of advice that change your life too. And the fifth expert that changed my life this year is Dr. Romney. Now, I've known Dr. Romney for a long time, and she never ceases to amaze me. She appeared on the show several times, and she's one of the world's leading experts on narcissism. And I have shared very openly that there is somebody in my life that I am not naming who absolutely struggles with narcissistic tendencies. We, of course, learned from our experts on the show that narcissists don't get diagnosed because they don't think that there's a problem with them. And so one huge insight that has profoundly changed my life is the medical fact that narcissists do not change. They cannot change. So do not expect them to. If you are in a clinical setting and you are working with a narcissist who is self-motivated to try to change, mm-hmm.
2: how much can they change? So I've, I've worked with many clients like this. The best we can hope for is a little bit more accountability. They will still have rage, but they might catch it and apologize a little bit more. They are still going to roll their eyes when they don't want to listen to someone, but they'll maybe do it less. They'll huff and puff when they're made to wait in the line at the airport, but they won't scream at the gate agent. You can get them to sprint through some stuff, but they're never going to be marathoners. They're still going to drop the ball a lot. I've worked with people who once they learned what it meant to stop being this way, which meant empathy, listening to people, being present, holding space for them, being accountable for their bad behavior, not getting angry at people or sharing their feelings. I had one person say to me, this is what this is about. And I said, um, yeah. So we <laughs> said, I want to break in therapy for a little while. And in that period of time, he divorced his wife and broke up with his mistress. And I said, oh, he said, I don't want to hurt these people. I really don't want to hurt people, but I can see they're getting hurt. And you've clearly pointed that out in here that I am hurting them. We did a lot of what's called mentalization work, forcing the person to think about how do you think that other person feels. He said, I don't want to hurt them, but I don't want to listen to them. I'm not interested in their BS. I'm not interested in their feelings. Like I could do it for 10 minutes, but this hours thing, no. I want to live in my own place. And I miss sex. So I found someone and I pay her every two weeks and she comes by and I don't want her to wake up next to me and sounds like a real peach i wasn't mad at him his ex-wife can now go and find is no longer chase she may still wonder so why what is if I not you enough? do
0: if you're the ex-wife because
2: i think one of the other things that i've learned from you is that the damage that a narcissist yeah. does understanding you are not to blame it's almost like a person is going to be less frustrated by their car breaking down if they know how their car works Right. So now you're like, oh, this mechanic's taking advantage of me. I'm like, nah, now you know how to change your own carburetor. Like, I'm teaching you how to fix this thing. Okay. And the fix is not in them, it's in you.
0: Dr. Romani, you have really helped me because there were some major takeaways that I've learned from you that narcissists are made during childhood. They're not necessarily born that way. They're
2: not. They're definitely not born that
0: way. If it's truly somebody with a narcissistic personality, they don't even know they're doing it. It's not like it is a conscious behavior. No. It is so ingrained in in how they behave that it's a, like a reaction to situations.
2: Correct. But this takes, this is an important flip I need to make on that. Because people say, well, if they don't know, then I can't be mad at them. To which I say, yes, you can. Multiple things can be true. Mm-hmm. And nowhere is that more true than in a narcissistic relationship. This person had a tough childhood. Yep this person invalidates me every day. Yup. We have kids together. Yup. They're not going to stop doing this. Yup. All those things can be true at the same time. What is the most important truth for somebody that is listening right now
0: who realizes, oh my God, I'm in a relationship with a narcissist. What is the most important truth that you want that person to start to
2: think about and embrace? This is not your fault. You're not responsible for somebody else's behavior. You're not. Well, they're reacting to me. No, they're reacting. And there's other ways to react. So they could, they could calmly say to you, I, I don't like how you're talking to me and I need a minute. can teach them those things. They can go to therapy and learn that. But they feel entitled to their reactions. Mm. They feel entitled to their rage. This is how I react. I, this is who I am. And that's the other thing you'll hear. Authentically, this is who I am. I found
0: that conversation to be so empowering. You know how sometimes somebody may have said something to you over and over again, but you're just ready to hear it? There's something about the way that Dr. Romney explains this, that it just went click. This is not my fault. And, you know, while we're on the topic, the sixth expert that really changed my life, again, it was another expert that we had on narcissism. Her name was Rebecca Zung. You guys loved her. And one of the reasons why she was so interesting is unlike Dr. Romney, who is a clinical psychologist, who is one of the world's leading specialists on the psychology of narcissism. Rebecca Zung is a lawyer and she has studied narcissism from a completely different perspective, which is if I'm going into court as one of the top litigation attorneys in the United States and I'm up against a narcissist or heaven forbid my client's a narcissist, how as a lawyer do I negotiate and win? How as a lawyer do I go in with my eyes wide open knowing who I'm dealing with and I have a strategy? And so I loved this conversation because once Dr. Romney taught me, okay, a narcissist isn't made, they're born that way. Well, then Rebecca Zun walks in and she passes us the baton and is like, and here's your strategy, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you're going to do. And what you loved, because this is what, I love the most about the Mel Robbins podcast and what we're trying to do here is how do we take this expert advice and turn it into tactics? Give me the scripts. Give me the tools. Yes, explain the science, explain the research. Let me know that I can trust what you're telling me. Rebecca Zung, she showed up with phrases. These are the phrases that you are going to use whenever you are dealing with somebody who's narcissistic. You have these essential phrases That you coach people to use to disarm a narcissist and observe the tantrum, acknowledge it, but not let it hit you. Can you share a bunch of those phrases that you coach people to use?
6: You can say things like, I agree with you that we're not going to agree. I agree with you that that's your opinion. I agree with you is always a good one because they kind of hear, I agree with you, but just make sure that you follow it up with, I agree that that's your opinion. If they're saying things like, you know, you're a terrible mother or whatever, you just make sure that I agree that that's your opinion. Your triggers are not my responsibility. You can always make sure to remove yourself from a situation where you're not being respected. I love these phrases.
0: Do you have any coaching for the fact that I think most people are afraid to say that because they're then going to invite narcissistic rage? Mm -hmm. What would you advise somebody to do that is just starting to practice these boundaries and create boundaries and not run away from the situation?
6: If they feel like they are going to be in harm's way in some way, then they really may need to remove themselves from the same physical space. Okay. There's a saying that says, if you don't want to be a doormat anymore, get up off the floor. Train people. You condition people on how to treat you. I mean, it may sound harsh, but it is the absolute truth. And narcissists are the the best ones for that that's just the truth of the matter.
0: So if they don't change and somebody's either unwilling or too scared to leave right now, how can you truly negotiate with somebody like that?
6: Well, you can, because what I teach works.
0: Rebecca, I just have to say, I love the swagger. You're referring to your SLAY method. And SLAY is a four part framework that you follow in the courtroom and in life for dealing with, negotiating with, and winning against a narcissist. Can you explain what SLAY stands for?
6: Yeah. SLAY stands for strategy, leverage, anticipate, and you. Awesome.
0: So let's start with the first one, S. What does it stand for?
6: S stands for developing a super strong strategy. The first part of that is creating a vision. If you're Just trying to figure out what to do with them. If you're in a family situation, if you're just trying to figure out how to deal with them in life, if it's your neighbor, if it's your tenant, what is it that you want? So many times people are like, I just want them to stop or I just want peace. That's not a goal. You want to be specific about what you want.
0: Beautiful. L stands for leverage. What does that mean?
6: Leverage is where you're actually creating that motivation for the person to want to come to a resolution with you. There are times where you could potentially, you know, fluff for favor, vomit later, you know, so (laughs) where you're (laughs) fluff for favor, vomit later. Yes, where you sort of fluff up their ego, give them something they want in order to get something you want.
0: I do this all the time with someone in my life, actually. (laughs) I have really developed this strategy. I'm realizing as you're talking to feed a particular person's ego that they are getting their way, that they are the most important person in the room. And I do that as a manipulation strategy, so that I can get what I want.
6: Exactly. Just as long as you know that you're only doing it in order to get what you want. But what you kind of have to do is use your documentation. They are very irrational. They, as we talked about, how many times their memory is faulty or whatever. But if you keep track, that's how you create your leverage in a negotiation and you say hey you said this you said this you said this i am going to present this in court i call it ethically manipulating the manipulator you can call it whatever you want many times empaths are uncomfortable with that sort of thing you have to be on the offensive when you are dealing with a narcissist It's not doing anything other than what works. If you want to come to a resolution and you want them to stop jerking you around and you want them to leave you alone, this is what you have to do because they're never going to leave you alone. They're never going to stop. So many people come to me and they say, oh, we're still in court. It's five years later. They won't leave me alone. And I say, Well, then you haven't figured out what your leverage is yet.
0: So now that we understand the strategy and the leverage, A comes next. And you say, Rebecca, you and I got to be able to be two steps ahead. Always. You got to anticipate. Can you teach us what you mean by that?
6: So... A is where you can actually figure out the type of narcissist that you're dealing with because they will all act a little differently in negotiations a covert narcissist is much more likely to pretend like they're the nice one and I'm the victim and, you know, oh, poor me and all of that. Covert narcissists are going to be the first one if if somebody has cancer to show up with the basket and be right at their side in the hospital and, you know, that sort of thing, but smearing everybody on the side, you know, so, you know, you just have to be careful of who you're dealing with. And then um, the... The anticipation is that knowing that they're going to try to bait you. I always say they go fishing, they go and then they they reel you in like this. And then once they have you, you're in the mud and you're down there.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So what's the final part of the four part sleigh framework?
6: The why, which is you standing in your authentic power, you on the offensive, and then also your mindset, because 100% of winning is your mindset. And if you don't believe you can win, nobody can help you. Once you get on the other side of it and you stand up to them and you, you grab that power The freedom that you feel, the feeling that you feel is actually beyond better than anything else. That's the beautiful thing. Don't give away your agency. Don't give away your power. You and you alone define your value. You can win.
0: And I will tell you something. Over the holidays, I used Rebecca's advice. I went in with my eyes wide open. I anticipated what was going to happen. I knew exactly what I needed to do, and I didn't take the bait. So I'm proud of myself, and I'm going to be very proud of you when you take Rebecca Zung's advice and you start using these tools and strategies with the difficult people and personalities in your life. It's so helpful. The seventh piece of advice and expert that changed my life this year was Dana K. White. And one of the things that I loved about Dana K. White is that she just made you realize you're not alone in your struggles. And if that's one big takeaway from this year over and over and over again, you're not alone. And one thing that I have struggled with profoundly and I still do from time to time is clutter. And, you know, I kind of put this almost in the same epiphany bucket as laundry. Like I used to struggle with laundry because I was looking at it the wrong way. Laundry, I thought was something that had to be done, had to be perfect. But as we now know, no, 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 it's a cycle. Well, thanks to best-selling author and organization expert, Dana K. White, I have changed the way I see clutter. Dana K. White is going to set the record straight, everybody, because there's a big difference apparently between organizing, which is what I was doing, and decluttering, which is what y'all need to do. So what is the difference between decluttering and organizing? In
7: my mind,
0: organizing was bins
7: and boxes and systems and all these things that I would look at those images on Instagram of the color-coded things and all that. You look at that and you think, that's it. I need the colors. And so you bring the colors in. And then you're trying to fit all the stuff in there.
0: (laughs) I'm laughing because I thought the solution to my bathroom sink problem was to go to Walmart or Target and buy a bunch of bins to put all the stuff that's on my counter in. Why doesn't it work for me to go buy a bunch of containers for this stuff?
7: Everyone has a clutter threshold. It's the amount of stuff that you personally can keep under control. It's the reason why you and your friend can go shopping together, buy the exact same things, she puts it in her house. It looks like a magazine. You put it in your house. It looks like a thrift store, right? Like that, that difference between like, she can handle this stuff. I brought all this stuff into my house because I wanted it. I saw potential in it, except that I was bringing it into my house and I couldn't handle it. Mm. It was not possible for me to keep my house under control with the amount of stuff that I had in my house. So wow. it's, not a, it's not aesthetics. No, I'm talking about what can you handle? What's easy for you to keep under control? So if a space is continually getting out of control, get rid of more stuff. Oh, it's still getting out of control? Get rid of more stuff. Until you realize at some point, this is what happened to me as I was like, wait a minute, I can do this. I can keep this under control. And that's where I realized there's this point, this
0: level of stuff that I can handle. You are a genius. <laughs> How do you know? what your clutter threshold is. I
7: hate to tell you this, Uh but there is literally no way to know other than to declutter. You can just know if my house feels overwhelming, I'm over my clutter threshold. If my house is consistently getting out of control and I feel bewildered by that, then I'm over my clutter threshold. So the only way to find your clutter threshold is to declutter. Let me just say, the less stuff you have,
0: the less stuff that can pile. Right. Yep. She's right. Don't you love those moments where somebody just cuts through the baloney and you're like, you know what? You're right. And I am also going to admit something to you. This has changed my life so much because it's something that you can do every day you can look around your closet like I did this morning. So I'm literally standing in my closet this morning. And you know what I thought? I have too much stuff. This closet is a container. It's supposed to contain everything. And so ironically, here I am with my little laundry basket. I bring it down this morning and I put it down on the floor of my closet and I look around and I'm like, you have too much stuff, Mel. You got to declutter again. Don't make a pile. We're going to start the process. I am putting this stuff to use, no joke, in my life every single day. And here's what I also think is important to say. It's not going to make you perfect. It makes you feel empowered. Because when you start to realize, oh, there I am, I've got more stuff again, you can use the process over and over and over again. So getting rid of things, tidying up as a lifestyle, it is not only changing my life, it has become a way of life. All right. And finally, number eight, the expert that changed our lives this year, Jamie Kern Lima. My friend, Jamie Kern Lima, who you heard her incredible story of going from a Denny's waitress who struggled with rosacea, to creating her own foundation, you know, skin makeup line, and turning it into a billion dollar company called It Cosmetics that she sold to L'Oreal. It was such an extraordinary story. At the heart of the story is learning that you need to believe it. Believe in your dreams, believe in yourself. And I'll tell you, based on The popularity of this episode and the sections that you guys watched over and over and over on our YouTube channel, this particular moment really stood out for you. So let's go to that moment, Jamie. You're three years in. Yeah. You've burned through the money. Yes. You have been told no by everybody. And even though you have leveraged all of the steps that were ordered along the way and like an amazing Denny's waitress, you can talk to anybody, (laughs) you can hustle, you can figure it out. Yeah. You have nothing but closed doors in front of you. Yes. And a ton of product and no money. Yes. Why did you not give up? So two big things
8: happened. The first was in the form of a crazy painful rejection. So, we got a call from a big potential investor and very famous for launching all these sort of unknown brands and making them big products we all buy in grocery stores. And, you know, and I thought, and they got in hold of our product. And I thought, like, oh, if they invest, then A, I'm not going to go bankrupt. Be like they. We can leverage their 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 clout to get in these stores that keep telling me no. Yeah. Like I had this whole scenario planned out that was like this pretty woman moment, right? Where I was like, oh, he's gonna save the day, <laughs> and so we started taking meeting after meeting, uh, and and we, it got down to the final meeting with this huge investment firm, and uh, it was in person. And the head guy was about three feet from me yeah. and his whole team was there who was awesome. I just presented our whole future product pipeline. And he says, you know, you should be so proud of this product you've created. you created. It's really, really good, uh, but it's a no. We're going to pass on investing in IT Cosmetics. And I was like... Okay, can you tell me why? Because I'm so used to hearing no,
0: even though really I was devastated. But well, yeah, because they just led you on and you just went through it. And this was supposed to be the meeting where they're like, let's do this. And I was so hopeful and I was so
8: desperate. Yeah. He got very quiet and he says to me, do you want me to be uh, really honest with you? And I said, yes, please. And he got really quiet and he's like three feet from me in person. And he says, I just don't think women will buy makeup from someone who looks like you with your body and your weight. And this is why it was such a big moment for me when he said that to me. First of all, a lifetime of body doubt and self-doubt. Like I I remember it flooding my body all at once. And when I looked at him, I actually felt no anger toward him. I felt like I was almost like staring my own fear um, straight in the eye. But when he said those words to me, Mel, and this is what, this is when we talk about purpose and intuition, I felt this feeling in my gut. Like I can remember it like it was yesterday. This like strong feeling that said he's wrong. I didn't know how I was going to prove it, but I felt that feeling. And what I realized later, when I look back at that moment, this guy, this dude gave me a no, but God gave me a knowing in that moment, in that moment. And I believe every one of us has had someone tell us we're not the right fit or no, or you don't have what it takes.
0: That right there is the billion dollar piece of advice in life you can either listen to the no or you can listen to the knowing. The knowing is something deep within your heart. It's a moment of courage. And I also know that that moment where she was told no in a really insulting way by that investor, that fired you up? You were mad? You were like, he did not have to say that like that. I read your comments. Well, that's why you loved how the story ended because that wasn't the last time that she met with that investor. In fact, I always believe that if you just put your head down, you trust in the knowing, you keep chipping away at it, eventually everything turns out exactly how it's supposed to. Check this out. So have you ever seen that investor since? I have not seen him. The day that we... first, I asked the petty question. I'm like, have you ever like, seen <laughs> him to like... Twist the little knife in
8: there. I heard from him one time ever Uh again, and it was six years later, the day that L'Oreal announced the deal. So because they're a public company, they announced that they had acquired at Cosmetics, made me the first woman to hold a CEO title of a brand in their 107-year history. You were the trailblazer there, too. So all of a sudden, it was a homepage of Wall Street Journal, the press everywhere... And that was the first time and only time since that I heard from that potential investor. And what did he say? He said, congratulations on the L'Oreal deal. I was wrong, is (sighs) what he said, and wished me the best of luck.
0: That's a big deal to admit you're wrong.
8: It is. So I wanted to say to him, I could give you 1.2 billion reasons why it was a huge mistake. But I didn't. I wouldn't have wanted to be him in that situation. You know, we probably would have been one of the most successful investments in his firm's history, you know, and so listen, it wasn't uh, reject. I always say
0: rejection is God's protection. I love that. Rejection is protection because it redirects you away from what's not meant for you. I just love that story. I love Jamie Kern Lima. And you know what else? I love you. Thank you for tuning in, for sharing, for the hours you spent listening, for the number of times you talked about this podcast, or you told other people about it, or you shared something that you learned. You have made our little weekly conversations the number five most followed podcast of the year, and I am so humbled to be your friend, and I am so honored to be able to talk to you twice a week, every week, and do this thing called life together. And you want to know what? You and I are just getting started. So tell me what your favorite thing was. Tell me what topics you want us to cover in the year ahead. Tell me how these eight pieces of expert advice are changing your life. And in case no one else tells you, let me be the one to tell you, I love you. I really, really love you. That's why I show up. That's why I work so hard on this. That's why we are here every Monday and every Thursday. I love you, and I believe in you, and I believe in your ability to create a better life. Alrighty, I'll talk to you in a few days. Is this on? Oh, good. Because instead of bloopers, I want to give you a gift. What's the gift? It's a free workbook that will help make this year one of the best years of your life. This workbook is something I designed using the latest research to help you get clear about what you want and to empower you to take the next step forward in your life. And the cool part, you can get your hands on this puppy in less than a minute. Just go to melrobbins.com bestyear best year. That's melrobbins.com bestyear best year. Let your friend Mel guide you step by step through creating your best year yet. Why wouldn't you take this opportunity? It's free, it's quick to download, and it's ready for you right now. And as your friend, I got to tell you, you deserve to have the best year of your life, especially after everything you've been through. Here it is, I'm offering to help you. Why wouldn't you take it? Sign up at MelRobbins.com/slash-best-year, and do not miss out on the life you could be living this year. Oh, and one more thing: this is the legal language, you know what the lawyers write, and what I need to read to you. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm just your friend, I am not a licensed therapist, and this podcast is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, professional coach, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional. Got it? Good. I'll see you in the next episode.
1: Stitcher.
0: I need you to listen up. I got a free resource for you that will help you grow your business faster and stronger, and it will also help you find the best team and build an incredible culture. What is this free thing? It's a free ebook from Insperity. The leading HR provider, you know those guys, they're a sponsor of the show. Well, the ebook is called The Future of Business is Culture, and it will walk you through how you can create an incredible culture that drives growth. Visit insperity.com to see how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference.